The Chicago Bears put up 32 points against the Miami Dolphins, but fall 35-32 to in a tight, tight game. I bring on PFF's Brad Spielberger to help me walk through this one on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy Secret Round podcasting channel. And Brad, I am all out of sorts here with Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus as we are breaking down a 35-32 to home loss that Brad couldn't feel like more of a win. Fields combines for four touchdowns, over 300 yards, a new record for single-game rushing yards, and the Bears come a ESB or an Equinamia St. Brown hands catch or at just a decent DPI call away from potentially taking a win off of an extremely dangerous Miami Dolphins team. I mean, what are your initial thoughts as we start digesting this postgame? It was frustrating to not get a true Justin Fields legacy drive potentially there. I really, I never, ever blame refs. That was one of the worst no calls I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, you know, again, you know, were they would they go down and score that touchdown or tie the game up with a field goal? Uh, there's no guarantee, but you know, I think it's also cool to see. I mean, that's why just Chase Claypool was traded for that exact play, him boxing out a smaller defender and Keon crossing, and, and either you pass interfere the guy or he's gonna catch the ball. Um, you know, they did the first one, the flag just didn't come out for whatever reason. When you see Miami Twitter accounts joking and laughing at how bad it was of a non call it was, I think that tells you everything, but. Not to harp on that, not to focus on that. So many positives, so many good, you know, highlight-level plays from, from Luke Getze and Justin Fields. Darnell Mooney's incredible touchdown catch. Just, just so much good to take away from this game. Brad, I'm right there with you. I hate critiquing the refs because it always feels cheap, right? It's like, let's ignore what went wrong with our team or on this side of the ball and instead focus on 10 yards or a free first down that I think happened. But that call, rough, obviously. I'm willing to talk about the play immediately afterwards where Justin Fields didn't like what he saw, rolled out of the pocket, threw a ball that hit Equinamia St. Brown right in the hands to extend the drive and, ooh, fell incomplete, which you know what? I mean, the funny thing is, Brad, when we really walk away from this game, you could argue that both teams went into Soldier Field today and came out with what they wanted. Maybe not what the coaches per se would have wanted, but the Bears get that little bit closer to a truly elite top 10 player with a great performance from Justin Fields in mind. Not to mention, Brad, okay, I want to focus on this before we talk about Fields. Do you feel like there's any truth to the idea that you can almost feel an Eberflus effect in that a defense that could not buy a stop could barely buy a third down came up with not one but two huge fourth down stops and a three and out when they desperately needed it I mean this was a Miami offense that had every edge you could ask for them and suddenly when they needed it most they just couldn't find the points I mean that's exciting as a fan the three and out in particular, yeah. I mean, we probably talked about this as well, but on defense in particular, I think you're seeing it right now with the New York Jets. You can be a great coach. If you don't have talent, there's only so much you can do. And I've been incredibly impressed with Matt Eberflus and Al Williams so far this year because I don't think it's a particularly talented defense. And some of the talent they do have is young and is going to make the rookie mistakes, you know, and Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. Um, so, you know, it's tough. And the Jets now, you add a couple big-name pieces, and they just, you know, beat the Buffalo Bills with that incredible, you know, defensive performance. So, yes, I think there's still 
evidence of strong coaching. You, but you look, you get rid of Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn in a week, you're not going to have a good showing, you know, the following Sunday. No, of course not. And yet it felt like the Bears got some, I, again, it's funny because I, I don't want to sit here and drum them up too much. They gave up a very convincing 28 offensive points plus a punt block. But now let's honestly, let's just segue straight into the story that matters, right? Fields looked in command. Chase Claypool looked like he contributed, right? Like you're exactly like you're saying two deep balls downfield and a couple of screens. You got a couple of those angry runs that he's now known for, which I didn't actually know they gave out an angry run scepter. That's on me. I should be keeping up with good morning football better. But so I hear about the angry run scepter the same week that Chase Claypool comes in, but the DPI that should have been drawn by Equinamius St. Brown last week gets drawn to start off the game. You obviously have the DPI later. Do you feel like Chase Claypool is part of the reason that the defense or the offense was able to gain such an edge? Or honestly, Brad, do you think that they were building up to this edge since the Dallas game and that Chase Claypool just gave them a little bit more? I think it's it's a mix of both. You know, he still obviously wasn't super, super involved, but he can take, he can command attention. I mean, the Darnell Mooney touchdown was against Xavier Howard, which I think makes it even more impressive. Uh, I mean, the throw was incredible. The catch was incredible. But you could also just see Mooney on some other plays. It was catching Cater Coho, their undrafted free agent who has been good, or just getting different matchups, being more open. Is it just him, you know, maybe like creating his own separation? I'm sure to a degree, but also when you only have to focus on one player in an offense, you know, from a receiving standpoint, it's just so much easier to defend. So now Claypool, like you said, also, he brings a, a jet sweep element. They probably ran it too much in Pittsburgh. Like you have to account for him all over the field in, in many different ways. Um, I do. I think he has there's gravity he brings with him. And we saw that on display, you know, across the field today. And it's so funny that you talk about Claypool because you also mentioned somebody I think is well worth bringing up here where I feel like Darnell Mooney. Look, I, I don't know if this was statistically his best game. It's not like fields through for very many yards, but it felt like Mooney was a consistent tackle breaker when he got the ball in his hand. And that route he had against Xavier Howard was really nasty. I mean, 11 in particular seemed energized by the Claypool edition. I'm not about to say that Darnell has been underperforming up to this season. There's not a lot of passing yards to go around and he's got the lion's share of them, but this looked like the Darnell Mooney that we expected to see this year that maybe he's not a wide receiver one as that term gets thrown around too often, but he can beat your best corner on and on around in the end zone. And Hey, if fields can keep making throws like that, I mean, that was nasty. He got hit to it. So it was a beautiful, perfect throw, you know, away from the defender. And he took a, a decent shot on it. We also should shout out Cole Komet, two touchdowns in the day, but had a, had a couple angry runs of his own that the first down rate, you know, extended to get the, the extra yardage, um, you know, but just looked good. Uh, I mean, reliable. We need a reliable hands catching inline tight end. I mean, we, again, we talked to him a lot. He's probably never going to be Travis Kelsey. I mean, no, no. one is really going to be Travis Kelsey, but look, he, he's not going to separate very well against band coverage, but. If you can get a guy that is not going to drop the ball, that is a legitimate red zone threat as he was today, can make some plays on fades in the corner and do different things, that's that's a that's a massive asset going forward. So, yeah, I mean, all the pieces are starting to you know piece together, and and it's uh, it's exciting to see. I mean, for crying out loud, Brad, it started to look like a video game where apparently if you assemble enough Notre Dame players on the same roster, they all get a stat bonus. And I'd have loved for Equinamius St. Brown to catch the same bonus in his hands, obviously, at the end of the game. But this looked like a renewed Cole Kmet. I don't want to hear it 
from anybody that says this Cole Komet's been on the roster all along. No, he hasn't. The runs that he was putting together, the snappy catches out on the, or in the flat, these were things, look, I don't want to say we've never seen them, Brad, but the whole team, offense and defense, but especially the offense, seemed to be playing like they had something to prove. I mean, Cole Komet ran through not only that defensive back, which poor him, he got leveled by Komet on that first down you were mentioning, but the, the touchdown earlier in the game, Komet threw a couple of arm tackles to get into the end zone there and make things look awfully easy for his quarterback. This is an offense that seems like between trick plays, between every designer run that you could possibly ask for, like to almost out Shanahan and Shanahan, which I understand is the homerist thing to say possible. I know, I see your head nod. Nobody really, out Shanahan Shanahan but the designer runs that the Bears are starting to implement I mean anything that you've ever seen on Twitter whether it's bash GT counter G lead uh, speed option jet option jet sweep like any run you can think of the Bears ran it including but not limited to what looked like a wide receiver reverse with a throwback option to Justin Fields that Darnell had to pull down I mean the Bears are pulling out all the stops on offense and who's to say it's going to work forever obviously we'd be even more upbeat had either of their final two drives of the game cash for any points but 32 points their third straight game with over 28 points awfully di awfully different feeling from what i think we expected especially after the first four weeks yeah and i think it's huge also to be able to look they said they had some tough conversations they had to talk to leaders in the locker room about the moves they made yes they did obviously add chase claypool but get rid of two very important pieces on the defense and and trying to say, hey, look, we're not like tanking or anything like that. We don't not believe. We actually do believe. We believe we need to see more out of this offense and see if we can fix that side of the ball. Um, And, and that is going to be the focal point. And so for the first outing against a defense that, frankly, is, is not performing to the standard they should be, but nevertheless, to put up 30-plus points, to move the ball effectively through the air and on the ground in, you know, in various different ways, like you said, to be creative, get a lot of different guys involved, in many different capacities, it's got to be one where, you know, everyone's going to, if they weren't bought in, they're bought in. They get the vision. They understand, look, yeah, we're, we're deficient at some spots, but the, we have a vision, we have an idea, we have a plan, and we're going to put you in positions to succeed. Just trust us, get in line, and realize that we're building something, and there, there's there's obvious, clear progression week to week. That That, that goes a long way. Absolutely, it does. Now, I want to put you on the spot a little bit because obviously when you have a quarterback like Justin Fields, he throws for 150 yards or like less than 150 yards again, but has 178 rushing yards. So there are going to be plenty of people out there. They're going to point this out like it's some kind of red flag, three touchdowns or no. So, Brad, you tell me, sizzle or steak? Like, yes, we can see that Justin Fields is obviously a lot faster than Tua Tagovailoa, but do you think that Fields, even although most of his production today came on the ground, had a good day? Or do you think it's a mar like a great day, but a mark of problems going forward? I don't think it's a mark of problems. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Tua Tagovailoa was incredible through the air. Um, you know, and so there's no excuse of, hey, the, like the wind I mentioned, you know, obviously it was, mm -hmm. you were able to throw. We did see the, the missed kick from Jason Sanders. So obviously it was swirling at certain times. Um, I don't know if the wind is why Tua Tagovailoa had that last deep ball about 30 yards underthrown to uh, Jalen Waddle. But, um, but nevertheless, no, I, I don't think it is because he also, I mean, look, that play to commit, it wasn't the same play as the Ryan Graham missed throw. But it was similar, right? With the delayed, the delayed action, you wait mm -hmm. for it to develop. You let him get out to the right side. That was on the money. Like I said, the Mooney throw is a legitimate big time throw. Yeah, no, I, I don't. And, and again, he's still at times, like you said. I mean, Equinemius St. Brown had 
I don't know if you call that a drop. Maybe you could call that an outright drop. Um, they, they were just – it wasn't like he was, you know, making a ton of terrible plays. The, 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 the no. Xavier Howard interception wasn't a great ball, but obviously there were penalties there, you know, holding to begin with. Um, but no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be concerned. Again, we want to see 200 plus passing yards. But when you set a record for the most rushing yards by a QB in a regular season game in NFL history, you can't also throw for 300 yards. That's kind of how I'm feeling about it. Like, look, I last thing I want to do is come onto this podcast, act like an analyst, and just talk like a homer. Right? It is my ultimate goal to try to boil down to what really matters here. But I can't help but think, Brad, that putting this kind of rushing season on tape is what gives you cleaner pockets going forward. I mean, nobody can pin their ear back on Justin Fields right now, or he will fake out the QB spire and run around everybody and somehow put the ball into the end zone from 61 yards away himself. Like the guy is a threat. And especially from what I'm seeing, Brad, what really sticks out to me is that on key third downs throughout the game, Justin Fields is manufacturing first downs. Raw rushing yard totals, frankly, it's neat that Fields set a record, but that doesn't do near as much for me as talking about the fact that Fields is stealing first downs where a lot of other quarterbacks are at the very least throwing the ball away, checking it down for six yards on something like third and 10. I mean, sure, we've got the sweet third, third and eight throw to Darnell Mooney. Like you said, pressure in his face. That's through the air. We've got throws downfield that didn't get counted because you can't count defensive pass interference, whether you call the one at the end a deep or a bad call or not. Chase Claypool was or had an opportunity to create yards downfield twice throughout this game that came up for nothing on the stat sheet. Right. But I feel like ultimately, am I being oversimplistic, Brad, to say that it's the quarterback's job to manage the game in front of him, create yardage, create opportunities, whatever way that comes. And if anything, Brad, because you're obviously coming from PFF, some of the most analytically minded people on the Internet, as defenses start to shift towards too high. I mean, dare I say that a running quarterback may or may not be the path of the future for a lot of these offenses, as the more guys drop into coverage, the less guy or the more room there is for somebody to eat up ground underneath i mean right well 100 and we're also going to see now too is i mean you almost need to have a linebacker spy or, or, or do something to account for his legs because like you said he wasn't just running on early downs he was converting third downs with scrambles and so when you do that again a it's going to take away from your passing production because those are quote-unquote passing downs but also yeah i mean let's say you do have an, a linebacker spy then you're going to find someone over the middle or you're going to you know, other things are going to open up, especially if you're playing too high. So it's already a lighter box count. And then you have a linebacker who's just focused on Justin Fields as a rusher. You're going to get someone open, whether that's a running back, whether it's Cole Komet, whether it's, you know, someone else over the middle. So, yes. And then what you do is like a Jalen Hurts this year where you're then a more consistent passer week over week and you can do both. Then it's nightmare city for every defense they play. Absolutely. And I mean, of course, things are still heating up for Justin Fields. We're looking at a second year quarterback for crying out loud. And I I, I don't like comparing quarterbacks because I wish we were all, you know, mature enough in our football knowledge to not need to right but justin herbert right now is not having a phenomenal year and it's not as if there's a bunch of mechanical issues and i'm not about to take anything away from herbert there's a lot of people that want to take a lot away from a lot of young quarterbacks justin fields is crazy young i mean this was his he's not even got 20 starts under his belt if memory serves at this point and so there are pieces of this brad that i can't help but think yeah it sounds corny but he should be a lot better at some of the finer points of reading defenses, going through progressions, more familiar with the timing on his receivers, where people are going to be when they're going to be there in his third year. 
like let alone later this season. What's working now is great that it's working for now. I do think you can expand off of what's working for now. It's not working on accident, but I also do think that Justin Fields tools that we are seeing, if there's anything I'm excited about, Brad, it's that earlier this year against say the Texans or the commanders, you could say the weird sentence that was fields tools are crazy and they didn't go anywhere. I just don't know if he'll ever put it together. We're starting to see what looks, what it looks like if he puts even pieces of it together. And because I feel like he's progressing in the right direction, it's hard for me to believe that he's not going to continue that progression, right? And that we get a little bit more out through the air as his legs start to become something defenses put. I mean, if you give him a Lamar treatment, they're going to take two guys out of coverage to stop his feet. And that opens up a lot of one-on-one matchups. I think it's also fair to be optimistic because I mean, look this is not who he was in college like we're not talking about a guy who played this way in college he was an accurate downfield passer but also was accurate at the intermediate level I think he's always had some semblance of some occasional misses on short stuff and quick game stuff like that which maybe that you can grow and improve on but yeah we're not saying a you know guy who was a 55 percent passer like a Josh Allen type in college mm-hmm. That wasn't his problem. And so, yes, it's kind of been a problem now, but you have Ohio State-level tape of him doing that at a very high level. Obviously, now you add the receiver. The protection will obviously get better this offseason. It has to. So, yes, I think you're not being, you know, Bears goggles on if you say, like, we should expect it to happen because we've already seen it. It's not like we're, you know, they always talk about the hardest thing to teach is accurate passing, right? Like, you can't. It's the hardest thing to make it an accurate passer into an accurate one. It, it, it's, I mean, Justin, Josh Allen is a complete anomaly. Like it, it's the craziest third year breakout in probably the history of the NFL. So we've seen that. We know it's there. Can we untap it? Is his, I think mechanically you mentioned, I think his quick release, it is, it, it is better. It is different. Maybe mm-hmm. early in the season though, that's why he was missing some of those throws. The, you know, the Ryan Griffin touchdown pass. That was a really bad miss objectively. Like, if he combines the, hey, now I have a quicker release, I'm getting the ball out faster, and my accuracy comes back to where it was before, you got a scary, scary passer on top of the running you know, threat he is right now. Absolutely. I mean, Brad, the, the most complicated part about what probably sounds to some people out there, like a big old flip-flop in the minds of both Bears local media and national media, where suddenly people go from, I'm worried about Justin Fields, circa the Texans, the Commanders game, to, okay, so Justin Fields is kind of that guy three weeks later. But everybody... Everybody, fans, media members included, we were all calling for Justin Fields to stack games. And now New England is no accident because he followed it up with a great performance against a great Dallas defense. And like you're saying, Miami may be a defensive step down, but you still have to score on those guys. And he did. I mean, this was a game, this is what I said about the Dallas game, but it applies even more so today. Justin Fields is the only reason that people kept their TV on past halftime because what Tua did to this Bears defense was fairly unavoidable on a sunny day, but the Bears offense, which, you know, shocking for this franchise, actually kept them in it. It's really exciting time to be a Bears fan. I'm I'm excited to see where they obviously go from here, sure. But the nice piece about this is that, look, nobody out there is wanting to tank. It doesn't work like that. Players don't tank. You're not asking anybody to tank. But if you are a Bears fan, just take 
solace in knowing that gimmicky losses like this, whether it's Valus Jones dropping a punt and boom, they lose two games or what feels like the referees stealing one from you. This is how you end up in the top 10 with the NFL draft uh, with a team that still believes in themselves. Somehow the dice kind of feel like they're coming up bears right now, Brad. And the funny part is like somebody said in a chat that we're in on Twitter, it's hard to imagine that the bears lose that many games not that they're going to go on some huge winning streak but just that it's going to be tough to lose to the lions with justin fields playing like he is and that's not a bad place to be when you're trying to establish a culture in year one and that's like what we're talking about where we used to come on and maybe you know pour some cold water on a win this is the opposite and it's not us being biased and, and trying to see the positive they did repeatable things that if they continue to do that they're going to win football games and potentially a lot of them i mean yeah the, the detroit game might be like a 50 50 shootout it might be the highest scoring game in nfl history might be. The, I mean, although i guess the lions defense can play against aaron Rodgers. um you know nobody else they had three three picks on aaron Rodgers today but uh, they can't stop anyone else so anyway you never know in this crazy league. It's, it's insane week to week. But, yes, it's a perfect way to put it. If they play like this, they're going to win those those easy games on the second half of the schedule, um, and then you, you just ride that wave of momentum, get a full offseason with Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields, and you know insert draft pick maybe or whatever the case may be. Maybe Vilas Jones with a healthy offseason can kind of get back on track because that is – an underrated thing we've seen a lot where you miss kind of the, your first offseason um, and then it, it really stunts your growth and your development. So, again, all those things, yes, this is exactly what we want to see. Maybe still pick top 10, top 15, but score 30, like you said, what was it, three games in a row with 28-plus points? Like, keep that rolling, and I'll take a close loss. Again, though, yeah, the, the, the ref being the reason why, potentially, uh, was, was annoying, but nevertheless. It's it is annoying because honestly, Brad, I, I think everybody wants to see the officials kind of get out of the way, right? You just never want the officials to be a story one way or another. And I mean, look, I know this is a little ridiculous. I do think it ultimately helps the Bears long term. I mean, these these losses are a lot easier to sell to the locker room than I think the losses that Dan Campbell has to keep his guys energized with after they put up, I mean, in some cases, as many 40 points and still lost football games. Another thing, if I can just say it, I mean, while we're talking positives about the offense, Brad, I think the, the, the main piece we haven't mentioned is that normally Justin Fields has been over the last two games, obviously playing quite well, but he's been doing it in tandem with really nice play from his running backs, whether it's just Khalil Herbert going absolutely off or both of them today next to nothing. I mean, if I'm reading the stat sheet correctly, Dave Montgomery, 14 carries for 36 yards, 36 yards, and then Khalil Herbert, not much better. Better, seven carries for 23 yards. The Bears still had their now fourth game in a row where they rushed for over 225 yards, and it's all fields. I mean, when you talk about an offense beating you in different ways, Justin Fields combined for, if I'm doing some back of the napkin math correctly, uh, at over 300 yards out of about 400, 300-ish yards for the Bears offense, that's all you can ask for from a second year quarterback, because I'm not expecting, I mean, Brad, I think something that fans just like you and me are always having to remind themselves is that we came into the league with guys like Tony Romo, guys like uh, Tom Brady, guys like Aaron Rodgers, guys like Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, that literally they hit the league and they had unlimited practice reps from the quarterback position. They could practice literally as much as they wanted to. It's not that much.
much of a surprise that even though, I mean, for crying out loud back in the day, Aaron Rodgers got to wait until his third year to play. And even then he had his rookie lumps. We like to throw our quarterbacks into the field immediately. Just start judging them right now. It feels like fields is winning off of God-given talent. And that's okay. I'm excited to see where he goes because obviously we're seeing Patrick Mahomes show that even when you're already good, you can get even better from the mental perspective of playing quarterback. And I'm excited to see where Fields goes from here because he already looks dangerous. Thumbs up for that. But there's there's room to grow. We can all see it. And if he's able to get some of those finer things, some of those, I don't know, what would you call them? Fundamentals, I guess, of the NFL quarterbacking position down, then the 61-yard touchdown runs, if you keep those in there, you've got a dangerous, dangerous player under center. Yeah, and so it's a good point. You mentioned the lack of running game today. You know, super inefficient. Was it three yards a carry or even less based on the, the numbers yes. you said? Um, you know, that's, again, where if you can steal some third and eight conversions with his legs, I mean, that's massive because if you're behind the sticks because of a lack of a running game, but you can both throw throw your way out of it or scramble your way out of it, it's huge. They're going to get Claypool more involved. It's going to open up the entire offense. It's going to make things even better. Like I said, he was involved today, but how much of the playbook can you really learn and be involved in that with that quick of a turnaround? So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's reason for a ton of optimism going forward. And I also think, too, you know, I, I think you do still see week to week him. Like, we talked about this a lot with, with the former, you know, top 10 pick quarterback. Like, a lot of the same mistakes. I think mean, Field still makes mistakes, but they're often new, unique mistakes. He hasn't seen something. A defensive coach throws something different at him, and that leads to, you know, maybe him not making you know, the correct decision or whatnot. But you don't see the same mistakes over and over again. Eventually, there's going to be, you know, he's going to get to a point where he feels more comfortable, where pre-snap he knows where he's going with the ball a lot of the time, all those things. Because, yeah, the one thing you're kind of not seeing still yet, I guess, is some quick game, which, again, could be the, the talent around him as much as himself. But if you get that going as well and you get some first and first and ten seven-yard passes instead of three-yard runs, like that's that's a massive difference in the overall you know grand scheme of things. Well, you know, it's funny because I so, so one of our commenters here, Brad, asked about any specific criticism of Fields passing game. And with you mentioning the uh, like the lack of quick game, I will point out if there's one flaw that I just don't know how the Bears really overcome. It's that there are a lot of quarterbacks that on quick games specifically, they won't throw without the laces. I mean, it's a simple detail, right? But quarterbacks hands are often 10 and a half, 11 inches. They don't need the laces like I know my tiny eight inch hands need the laces when I'm trying to throw a football fields hands are some of the smaller hands in the league we haven't really talked about it because who cares uh but it's not kenny pickett but they're not big either and it does seem as if when you watch fields throw at the quick game he's dramatically better i mean the ball explodes off his hand when he's got the laces whereas his quick game throws can wobble a little bit and you can tell that there's a difference in the way that he or that the ball comes out i'm not necessarily saying that it's impossible to do a quick game with justin fields just that there's gonna need to be some practice there because it's not something he's comfortable with the wet balls that these he's played with over the later or the earlier part of the season don't help him a lot but even today on a drier day brad it's something that i know i'm watching going forwards wondering how are the bears going to go about dealing with this and i do think all the creative runs that they're doing is a basically replacement for more West Coast style quick game. I mean, if you can't play West Coast, then sure, run bash. See if you can get five yards on first down. But it's going to be interesting to watch that move forward. I think, again, for all we talked about with Claypool as a downfield threat, which we did see today, 
Um, he also that he helps that too. Where I think having the big body, big frame guy that you trust to win 50 50 balls or that you trust to just get open on a quick slant, you know, and just throw it to an area, it doesn't have to be perfectly accurate. Like you said, if he doesn't have the laces, that's the great detail only Robert Schmitz notices. And I gotta now I'm gonna go back and see if I can pick up on that. Um, but yeah, like that, I also think, look again, Darnell Mooney's awesome, but quarterbacks are more comfortable throwing that type of pass to a 6'4, 240 pound guy than they are to a 5'11, 175 pound guy. They just are. Um, and they probably, you know, it makes sense to, to a degree. So, yeah, that's another thing that maybe you see with the addition, with more trust in Cole Komet and him making some solid hands catches today away from his body, you know, stuff like that. It's all going to come together. It's just there's so much of football and so much to learn and, and grow in and grasp, you know. But I think he is, like you said, he's stacking weeks, which is all we can ask for. All we can ask for. Perfect. Brad, we're going to step away for just a moment so the sponsors can get their word in. We'll touch on the defense a little bit before wrapping up with final thoughts and a couple surprises. I'll talk to you on the other side. And we are back with Bear With Me. I'm here with PFF's Brad Spielberger talking through what feels like a win, but is ultimately a 35-32 to 32 Bears defeat. And Brad, a big part of the reason for that is that the Miami Dolphins were able to get just about everything they could possibly ask for through the air today. And I got to ask you, you've been a big, big proponent of Allen Williams and the way that he and Matt Eberflus are coaching up this defense. Is this the kind of performance that worries you? Or is this the kind of performance that you would look at and say, look, anybody could have seen this coming. It's just going to take more horses to compete with a team like this. It's actually funny. The reason why I think Mike McDaniel has been a revelation um, in, and has been, I mean, remarkably successful besides having a wide receiver on pace for 2000 plus yards in the season and Tyree kill. But he can attack the middle of the field. He can win over the middle of the field, and he does that better than a lot of coaches right now. It's two attack of Aloha is the highest graded passer for us between the numbers um, by like a decent amount. He did it again today. And yes, when you have two of the best early separators in the NFL in Hill and Waddle, that of course will help. But it's also what Mike McDaniel is doing schematically. And so when you're sitting in a lot of cover too, as the Bears, of course, are going to do, that's, you know, it's exploitable. It's what I think the future of, you know, if you're looking for an offensive coordinator, and say, hey, what's kind of something you do differently or you excel in? Yeah, I don't just win outside the numbers, not just Zach Taylor, and I, I run 989 all the time, and 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 I run for two yards to carry with Joe Mixon, and I run 989, and I hope Joe Burrow throws Gosh. a bomb to Jamar Chase. Like, that's – look, it's cool. I mean, they, they went crazy today against Carolina. Like, it, it can win you games sometimes, but especially with more and more too high safety looks, the ability to attack the middle of the field, which I don't think Fields is afraid to do at all, to attack by Loa. Also is phenomenal at it, which is interesting because people, you know, the height thing always comes into play, but I think he uses play action. Well. I think he navigates the pocket pretty well and he's able to manipulate it. So he gets a good throwing window, but yeah, so long answer short, not really, because when you can't generate a pass rush, that's Miami's weakness on offense, right? Their, their offensive line has gotten better this year. Right. Teron Armstead is, you know, Teron Armstead at left tackle for them now, but when they've lost games this year, it's because teams have been able to get after them, generate consistent pressure, and then you can't let you know Tyreek and Jalen Waddle run wild. So, no, it's not an overly concerned. I mean, of course, it's concerning you want to fix it, but it's not like a this defense is broken or I'm worried about the coaching staff. It's like, look, you played an offense that's hung hung 35 and 40 points on a lot of teams this year, um, and you're, you were undermanned, you know, talent-wise. Have been undermanned, no less. I mean, look, Brad, this is a defense that it's not like it's schematically broken. It, the biggest criticism that you could give this Allen Williams defense is that schematically it's a little bit uninteresting uh, sometimes. I mean, and that's fine. It's only uninteresting because we've seen it before. 
right? And within that, they're going to rush for as often as they can. They want to get guys into coverage. We're very excited about that. More guys in coverage means better protection usually. But when your front four is made up of Tashawn Gibson, love you, bud, uh, Dominic Robinson, or Al-Kadeen Muhammad, one of those two, uh, and then maybe what, on your best down, you've got Angela Blackson and Justin Jones? Like, that is... Is it kind to say that that's a bottom three defensive line in the NFL, or should we just go ahead and call it what it is and say it's probably the worst? You, you, know, you had the wrong T. Gibson there, which is very understandable. Uh, you shout out our old buddy Deshaun. Uh, every no, time. I, um, I just had to, I had to just so I, we're it's talking Travis. Uh, you know, obviously Robert <laughs> knows that. Um, yeah, no. Um, yes, it is. It is a, even with Robert Quinn. I thought it was a bottom five defensive line. Um, and now they don't have Robert Quinn, so it is. Again, I'm not knocking the players. Justin Jones actually, I think, has gotten better and better. Um, has been really good the last month. I mean, not really good. He's been good. He's been an impact player on certain, you know, uh, you know. Um, and sure. so, but yes, long answer short, yes. <laughs> right. And so when you can't generate pressure against a guy who's, I mean, probably the most unguardable receiver in this league, and there are a lot of good receivers in this league, but Tyreek Hill, hey, can we just credit the guy? He left Kansas City. Everybody, myself included, said, oh, come on. You're really going to go to the Dolphins? Like, are you just trying to tank your career? And no, he looks like a superhero. Like, I mean, he looks incredible. And so kudos to him. I do think that this defense is going to continually run into the horse problem. I mean, Brad, at the heart of every good defense is a bunch of good players. Like, let's take Todd Bowles' Super Bowl defense from not too long ago. Those guys were all all stars. I mean, the sixth best player on that or on that Tampa Bay defense was probably still an all bro. They were just all good. And so when you're dealing with two rookies in the secondary, like the commentators so or so courteously pointed out for us that Jaquan Brisker played a little bit too much on his heels on that or on one of the Dolphins touchdown throws that could have at least been broken up, but at best potentially been an interception. You're going to have growing pains. You're going to have games like this. I'm not worried either, if only because I think that the problem is very obvious and something that Ryan Poles is going to look to solve. If anything, Brad, I think that, believe it or not, the success of the offense makes me dramatically more optimistic about the defense because traditionally, from what I have seen, you tell me what y'all's data is saying, it feels like offense, like you can't just inject a player and expect them to be the best version of themselves immediately on offense. Sometimes you get a Jalen Waddle, sure, but most most of the time it takes like a heat up year one way or another a rookie year you know normal rookie stuff but you inject a superstar edge rusher you inject a superstar defensive tackle into a defense usually they hit the ground running right for the most part yeah i mean or it's either still a good player right even if they're not great like a quinn williams look people were saying he wasn't living up to his potential he was still a very good football player he's now playing like a special top five talent you know but he was so there's still net positives pretty much much earlier in their career. And yeah, even, you know, with Brisker and, and uh, Kyler Gordon, they had their moments for sure. I think Gordon, both of them are great tacklers. Brisker did miss a, ta miss, miss a tackle or two today. Um, and you don't draft a, a cornerback top 40 to tackle, but he's a great open field tackler. And so, like, I think oh, yeah. you build it, you know, back to front. You get those guys that, that are, you know, playing forward and can make plays against the run and can cover. Um, it's just it's a good foundation to build off of, like you said. You add maybe some free agent talent, they have to spend, they can go there. If you do use that top 10 pick, I know we probably want on offense, but the Chase Claypool trade, maybe one of the main benefits of that is hey, Jalen Carter is there for Chicago, or Brian Breesy's there for Chicago, and we cannot pass up the opportunity to take a potential game wrecking three tech, or you know, they they fall in love with an edge rush or whatever. 
it does make that much more palatable now that you do have two legitimate wide receivers on the team. Um, you know, again, I think I wouldn't hate a tackle or, or, you know, something else, but if you know fields is your guy, so you're not taking QB, uh, and, and if you feel better about wide receiver, it makes it much more, you know, realistic that they go that direction. Well, and speaking of the spend, I mean, Brad, I've had you on, I, I've had you on so many podcasts where we talk about how the bears future is. I mean, at the time it was kind of doomed because the bears were running out of money fast. They were paying all the wrong people. And it was more a matter of like, how are we going to not get under the cap? They weren't going full Mickey Loomis over at the saints, but they were getting close with a massive Trevathan deal, a massive Jimmy Graham deal, despite multiple holes on the roster. We can see holes. We can see cap. If you are, Sitting in an office with Ryan Poles, talking about what positions you want to target. Who are some positions? Like, obviously, we know some of the positions, but who do you have your eye on going into free agency that you think sets the Bears up to, like you're saying, ultimately take the best player that comes to them? Yeah, you know, I think a guy like Javon Hargrave in Philadelphia, if he makes it to free agency, um, you know, I know everyone loves the name Deron Payne in Washington. He has played some really, really good football this year. I do think interior defensive line is a is a thing something they will address. Um, because I think they do also want to more have the ability to rotate guys a little bit as well, right? I, I, they're not, you know, full on like uh, Dan Quinn and Dallas or, you know, some of these teams like Phil, I mean, the Eagles as well, where you might, I mean, Robert Quinn played seven snaps against Houston. Like they're not, you know, full on. They just want to shuffle guys for every single scenario. But you do when you're, like you said, when you're off, often rushing four and you can have guys that are more situation dependent, can keep their legs fresh and get better there. Um, yeah. So those guys on the interior, the edge rush group is not great um, in terms of free agents. And, you know, you're also it's, it's prone to overspending uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, as we probably talk about all these shows, adding mid-tier talent, the guys that can set an edge and can be decent. And then you maybe take a, you know, a, an early round pick on one of those guys that can become, you know, what Khalil Mack or, or whatever the case may be. That's, I think, how you attack it. And just see, again, with the New York Jets, like. It's not just about adding Sauce Gardner this offseason. It's adding, you know, DJ Reed is playing very, very good football opposite Sauce Gardner for $11 million a year. It's, it's a clear number two cornerback salary. And then Carl Lawson, $15 million a year, you know, for a free agent uh, edge, edge defender that's not, you know, 20 plus million. It's, it's a good deal. It's not a phenomenal. And now healthy, he's playing really good football. Matthew Judon, the Patriots signed for about $13.5 per year. He's been phenomenal this season. So, you know, I think it's it's you don't have to shoot the moon and go for the big sexy name every single time. But yeah, so those two guys in the interior, I think, you know, intrigue me quite a bit. Well, you've always talked about this, haven't you, Brad? That free agency, the the real winners of the free age uh, of free agency are people that understand that you're trying to bring the bottom of your team up instead of trying to push the top of your team further up. It's harder to buy top end talent because if they were really top end talent, I mean, this is the simplest way to put it, right? They wouldn't have gotten a free agency. Yep. So it's better to recognize, okay, we need a second cornerback. Let's go buy one. Okay, we need a inside nose tackle that can hold his gap or maybe even a gap and a half in the run game specifically offering me nothing in the passing game you can probably find something like that i mean when you when you can understand why the player got to free agency it makes it even more understandable what you're trying to spend the money to get them for especially because if i'm understanding things correctly you want most of your top end money to be tied more to extensions right? The goal is to give your players extensions. And I mean, look, Fields won't be cheap forever. He's certainly cheap for now. But in the if polls is thinking long term, he does have to address a world where Claypool probably gets an extension. Darnell Mooney probably gets an extension. And of course, Justin Fields gets an extension, right? 
Absolutely. And and this offseason, I mean the first the, the receivers both I think will probably sign extensions barring, you know, something happening the rest of the, the rest of the way. I, mean, I think Jalen Johnson is probably in the conversation, maybe even honestly Cole Komet. Um I know we've come, you know, probably 180 on him. You know, again, I you know, I think he's a good player. Um, but you know, with tight end at the market where it is, you could probably get a pretty good deal there, you know, get some decent value. He's not going to top the market or anything like that. Maybe 10, $11 million per year. Um, and he's a solid foundational, you know, piece for you in terms of just like, like you just mentioned right there, sometimes to address one specific problem. Like I, like you said, I need an early down one and a half gap nose tackle. Let's just fix that with one, you know, again, that's kind of makes it sound simplified, but sure. it's not always, hey, let's add to the, let's add a, you know, you can't always do that. It's not how this no. league works. So, yeah, and, and they have, yes, for all the people, want, I mean, they have, they might have the most cap space any team has ever had ever <laughs> um, this offseason. So they can do whatever the heck they want and they, they have to spend and they're, they're going to. Which we got to love. All right. So when it comes to your final thoughts about this game, what are you thinking? I honestly, I mean, I couldn't be more encouraged, frankly. I, you know, again, there's, you know, maybe we could see more passing, but I think you also, for me, it's, it's, it's Luke Getzey as well. Uh, you mentioned running GT counter, running pin and pull, doing all these various different things, being so creative, QB draw. I think Herbert had a, had a, you know, had a draw play of his, like, just, just everything is on the table. There's just like, it's, it's so, I think it was kind of milk toast and pretty lackluster the first month of the year. There were some elements that I think you could see and that you liked. But yeah, long answer short, I'm I'm as excited as I am about the players about Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney now with another cohort in Chase Claypool. I also I am a believer in this entire organization, the coaching staff, the front office. I think they get it. I think they know what matters in today's NFL, and they're going to set a path to address those things and and hopefully it you know continues to build. Players like Mahomes, players like Josh Allen are special, don't get me wrong. But like you're saying, Brad, I am a believer that coaches win Super Bowls. I mean, I think coaches are the heartbeat of most organizations and that when you have a good one like Bill Belichick, somehow you're the one who finds the Bailey Zappies. And I'm not about to pretend that Zappies like a superhero. It's more to say, Brad, that first there's this perception across the NFL that the rich are constantly getting richer at quarterback or whatever position it is. But maybe it is as simple as good coaches develop players better than coaches that don't. And the Cole Komet that we're seeing right now looks like a very different Cole Komet than we saw in the Nagy era. You could even make the argument just based on the way that Nagy was using some of his players that he had the right idea and the wrong implementation, but it doesn't matter. What we're seeing right now is... So to tell the story of this game as clearly as possible, because I know there are some folks that would love more insight into what happened with the running game, the Dolphins played the entire game fearlessly with eight guys in the box, nine guys in the box next to no real safety coverage for the majority of the game. Right, Brad? Like they were, they were daring the bears to do anything other than run the ball with their running backs. And whenever the bears did try to sneak in a run with their running backs, didn't really go anywhere. Bears lost a lot of downs to just running into a meat grinder of a defense that it's not that the dolphins are incredible defense, but they were just waiting for those plays. And yet fields put up 32 points on him almost entirely on his own effort. Maybe this is because I'm a bears fan, Brad, but I could care less whether it's through the air or on the ground. When the ground piece looks as dynamic as it does, I'm a huge believer in that NFL defenses are somewhat reactive week to week. And the more just, and Fields keeps pounding or defenses on the ground, the more space is going to go, or open up for him through the air. And he's showing us enough through the air that we can 
unbelievably understand that he will ultimately have his day. Three passing touchdowns, though. I mean, the rushing yardage may have gotten him down the field. Throwing the ball is what put the ball in the end zone, and that's just as exciting as anything else. I mean, you got the 61-yard, like the 61-yard superstar touchdown run. You had a couple of outright Houdini like first downs on the ground you had some gorgeous throws gorgeous touchdown throws you had all kinds of stuff that point you in the right direction but moreover i mean this was just a cherry on top of a great three weeks and brad the bears fans needed it i needed it i mean the bear if the bears do have a quarterback i think that there's a lot about their future that changes but i'll tell you what I didn't expect to sit here and like a or like a milk toast sounding defensive head coach in his 50s and what he brought to the team. And here I am completely buying into the Aberflus philosophy because even simple things, Brad, I mean, it was it was very much like the Nagy era to get the big picture right with like a certain play call. And then two people would just like turn the wrong way because they didn't even hear that they checked to a different play and goof it up on these runs. I mean, Justin Fields isn't even taking hits, Brad. Like I was about to it, say it. Yeah. It, it's it's ridiculous. Like they even understand that part of a quarterback run game needs to involve keeping your quarterback safe. Uh, and uh, an announcer today made a lazy Cam Newton comparison. Cam was lowering his shoulder and blowing guys up his entire career. Justin Fields maybe took one controlled hit on or on today's 178 yards. It was wild. I mean, it's it's cool watching this team, and I don't know where they're going to go. I mean, obviously, I actually think, Brad, that the hardest games for them from an expectation perspective are going to be when they play games like the or teams like the Lions because they seem to have similar offensive outputs regardless of opponent. And so when they play a worse defense, people are going to expect 40 points. They may get the same output or even a potential flag game like a second year quarterback isn't here to be consistent yet but just the fact that they this three game stretch alone is encouraging enough maybe not like he's done extend him like put his bust in canton but at the very least brad we are on track and i think if that's the case then i can't really clap hard enough for ryan poles because if he was able to show you that Justin Fields was the dude going forward while still stripping the roster down, he pretty much nailed everything that he could have asked for. I mean, okay, I can't let you off before you respond to that because there is a ton of heat towards Ryan Poles. So you tell me, like, what do you think of the GM so far? No, and that's exactly what you're trying to it's – a, it's a tight line to, to walk, right, to where – you're trying to think about the future long-term outlook of the team, and that requires some tough decisions and maybe makes the environment more challenging for the young players you are trying to develop. But A, you hire a coach that is a fundamentals and, and, and details guy, where I think we talked about this. He could be a guy that maybe builds up all the young players, develops in the right way. They don't make mistakes. They don't shoot themselves in the foot. You know what? Maybe a quote-unquote Nagy-esque type coach is the John Gruden version of Tony Dungy in Tampa Bay, right? We're like right. – Dungy built those players up, made them good football players. Then someone else had to come in and maybe bring an X's and O's element that pushed them over the top. But when you're young and, and trying to build young talent and you, you there's so much going on, there's all these trickeration and, and window dressing, it's just too hard to even play solid fundamental football. So, yeah, I'm not even really answering the question. But, um, you know, with polls and the biggest thing and the deadline is the, is the one indicator, though, is he does get where the allocation of resources makes the most sense. And that is around the quarterback. And yes, Velos Jones, 
not looking like a very good pick. No. You know, Byron Pringle, unfortunately, you know, injuries kind of hasn't done much. And Q Harry, you know, now that he's healthy, at least he's a guy. You know, he's blocking out there for you. He's getting you two or three catches. Um, you know, again, like I'm not like he didn't do enough, or maybe you could argue he didn't do enough. I get that. But now what you're seeing is fields can still rise above that and be productive and make plays and learn and get better on a week-to-week basis. And then because you didn't take the short, small, you know, short-term miniature fixes, you can actually give him a ton. Whereas next year, I mean, the third year is always the big leap. Every team spends a ton if they believe in their rookie contract quarterback going into the third year. That's been the trend forever. And they are going to do that. They are, have the, the resources, but also the – now that you, if you do see this, this Justin Fields for the rest of the season, they're gonna, I'm not saying like make a Super Bowl, but like they're gonna be the Chargers this offseason where you have, right. you sign receivers, you you trade for you know Khalil Mack, like they're gonna go again, not all in, but like they're going to make a big big push before, yeah. like you said, Fields maybe does get expensive in the near future. Hopefully, I would love him to sign a massive massive we'll deal. And us, us have the conversation of how do we build around the big uh, quarterback contract? That'd be my favorite conversation ever. But we'll save that one for another day. Um, I think Poles knows what he's doing, and and people need to have faith in the long-term vision here. Mm -hmm. I think so, too. I mean, look, I have seen way too many GMs come in and do exactly what – his name's Balky? Is that how I pronounce it? Balky, yeah, Jacksonville, yeah. Mm -hmm. And do exactly that, where they just throw as much cap as they possibly can at every free agent that's out there because, like, the attitude – the prevailing attitude almost seems to be, Brad, well, they can't be worse than what we're working with here. So if I spend money, our team must get better. And the Jags don't really have a path to getting a lot better than they are from a roster perspective. Did they end up winning today? Because I didn't. They did win finally, and they They have six one-score losses. So yeah, like you said, we know who they are more on a roster standpoint. They just need to play better and finish games. Absolutely, uh, whereas the Bears can get better as well. But we we could say the same about Chicago, and they should have a really healthy influx of talent this week. I mean, that to me, at the very least, is the most exciting piece about this Bears organization going forward. Obviously, it looks like a strip down. Obviously, there are tons of people out there that would still look back and say you didn't do enough for Fields. But I mean, look at Fields. He seems like seems like he's got enough at the very least, like good coaching and solid scheme really can. I think at the very least, Brad, because what we see, let me frame it this way. What we see is a couple of games, a player playing for three hours, like roughly 80 snaps every week. Right. But that player plays a lot more football than just what goes on on the uh, like on the on Sundays they play in practice they play all off season and I think that matters a lot more that's why we're so pro coach right is because if Luke Getze is the right kind of mind to help Justin Fields grow then it doesn't really matter whether Dante Pettis and Equinamia St. Brown are taking up significant snaps Fields will understand the process of what he's trying to achieve it sure looks like that's what he's doing and I think that's exciting Apps could not agree more. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Brad, what's coming up for you? I know you just got through the deadline. So, I mean, it's not like you're off, right? I wish. No, certainly not. Uh, we got a big piece coming out this week. It's actually, we do like a preseason ranking of every roster. I'm now doing a, hey, we're halfway through the year based on what we've seen and some growth from players and, and how things are gelling, kind of a mid-season ranking. Um, the Bears, I didn't write the first one. The Bears were 32nd in the NFL. So I'll tell you this. They're no longer 30 seconds. So that's they're they're moving up. 
<laughs> I love it. Perfect. We'll make sure to check them out. Obviously, keep tight with the Windy City Gridiron like YouTube channel and podcast channel as we're coming at you with Bear and Balance tomorrow. Tuesday, we'll be going through the All-22. It's going to be a lot of fun going through this Bears offense as it has been for the last couple of weeks. So until then, Bears fans, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with me.